Hello and welcome to today's episode of Tranquil Awakenings with me, Debbie Ison. On today's episode, I will be in conversation with Ian of Lizzie and Events and we'll be having this conversation live from the Newark Wellbeing Show. In this episode, we are going to be talking about how Ian has built up this wonderful community. We'll be talking about money and wealth and also the ethos you need to make your life a success. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you ever so much for coming on today, Ian. I've been wanting to talk to you for ages. Um, we've known each other for a few years now because you organise the Lizzie and Events Wellbeing Shows. So thank you for being here. Well, thank you, Debbie. It's uh, absolutely fantastic that you're here. And um, it's apparently your first time that you're doing a, an outside recording. It is, and I was very nervous. So I'm very, very grateful for you being here and showing me how to use the equipment because, as we know, that's not my strong point. Good. So um, what would you like me to talk to you about, Debbie? Well, you know so much. Your experience is vast. So I think a little bit really about your journey, because I know you obviously at this stage in your career where you've had vast experience, you know, all of these practitioners, but there's got to be a journey behind that. So I'd like to know the story, really. Um, thanks for the question. In fact, I would say to you that that's the first time anybody's ever asked me that question. From my perspective, Debbie, I think that it's 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 right for us to have cutoff points. So for me, my cutoff point is about twenty years ago, because I think if you try and have too much legacy within your mind, you can get yourself trapped with old ways of operating, old ways of living, and you can trap yourself with things that perhaps didn't quite go right. So about twenty years or so ago, I I met Liz, my partner. And Liz was working for an airline and I was work working at a time as a transport manager for Argos. Uh, I, I'd, there were some major changes in my life and I didn't like the job. I didn't like corporate whatsoever. And Liz um, was really getting a little bit tired with her airline work. And one day she had an interest in crystals. And you probably don't know, but I used to do a lot of tarot reading. But the tarot reading was a little bit of a sham because actually what I was doing is I'd spent nearly three years learning the Lucia Colour Test. What is the Lucia Colour Test? That's interesting. Good. So the Lucia Colour Test was developed by Dr. Max Lucia. And the premise of the Lucia Colour Test is if somebody selects a group of colours, there are eight colours in the Lucia Colour Test, and selects them in an order, it will reveal a deep, psychological um, reason for their modus operandi. That is absolutely amazing. I'd love to have a go at that. And it is very accurate and it's fascinating. So I used to use Lucia as the first part of my readings. And from the assessment from the Lucia, I could really get deeply into the minds of the person sitting in front of me. And then I'd do some tarot work and I've always been interested in tarot. And I used to have, have quite um, a following. So Liz at the time was selling crystals and she was getting tired of the airline. And I said, well, why don't you go into business with the crystals? And uh, she said, well, I don't know. So it, it, a long story short, was an opportunity came for us to have a market store. 
uh, in Nottingham's Victoria Market. Very small stall. It's probably the smallest stall in the whole of the market. We took it over and within two years, it became a gold mine. That's absolutely incredible. And I think crystals are amazing. They have so many benefits. But I always know people really struggle to source them sort of locally, ethically, really well. So I bet that absolutely did a killing. Well, it did. But as you've known Liz for quite a number of years now, she's a very intelligent lady uh, and she's got uh, the most incredible memory. So this helped when people said, oh, what should I have about, I'd like to buy a crystal, quartz, something of that nature. And she would give you the most in-depth, uh, esoterical, physiological and emotional concepts that laid behind the crystal. Which is absolutely fascinating. I'm in awe of that because I know I look at crystals and their meaning, but within a few weeks, it's gone out of my mind again. So the fact that she can retain that's amazing. So the next part of the journey, stage three, if you like, um, leaving, uh, working for other people, then having a market store, uh, and we started to attend events. And we were fortunate, and I think you can probably just about remember, to um, be allowed to stand on the former BSSK events. And Angie um, was quite a sanguine type of person. She used to let you get on with it. And I think she tolerated us more than anything because we swished up the job a bit. We introduced uh, halogen lights. I can, I've got all of the photographs of all of the shows we ever stood and I can absolutely assure you that we were the first people ever to have halogen lights behind a stand. And then I bought a Kuma uh, CD recorder. I was the first person, without any doubt, to record my recordings on CDs. Uh, and, of course, this helped us. And in the end, we were doing about 40 events per year and we were earning quite a substantial amount of money out of standing at the 40 events. <clears throat> so the second thing was that the market store was doing exceptionally well and we started to have quite a pot of money. And I'll talk about something about money in a moment because... I've listened to most of your podcasts and they're absolutely fascinating. They're so well presented and your eclectic mix of people who, who are on uh, your, your podcasts are fantastic, but not many of them approach the subject about money, do <laughs> finance. And I think that is a really important thing to discuss because we need it. It's the energy exchange on this planet and it's essential. It absolutely is. So we, we'd got, we'd, we, we, we would, we'd got quite a pot of money and we were about, so about 10 years into standing and one evening we returned from an event which was pretty poor Debbie large event pretty poor poor and I said to Liz do you know we could do this better because I think what we really need to do is we really need to um, change the whole dynamic and we need everybody who stands with us to be part and parcel of the event uh, and we're very sharing and community type driven so that's how we started the well-being events now the first one that we did was about 10 years ago at market raisin festival hall and we designated well-being ways to become a well-being so two words ways to become a well-being and that's the well-being brand and You've known me long enough to know that if you say, oh, Ian, if uh, could I have a reference to this, I'll always send you it because I am a monster journal 
make keeper. And I'm a monster photographer, and I have literally got tens of thousands of photographs of all the events we ever stood at. And I've got journal records of how the event went, how much we took, how much we made, how much the overworkheads were, how much the um, petrol or diesel was to get there. Absolutely all of it. It's a massive catalogue of how it worked. So I can genuinely say that, one, we are the first people to have used the designation well-being. And as you know, it's now everybody uses it. And I'm immensely proud of that. And I'm immensely proud of the fact that many people are trying to emulate what we're doing. Because to my mind, if somebody is trying to copy something, then it's got to be good. Absolutely. And I know from being at the shows, this, I think that community is absolutely essential. And even this weekend, obviously, we're here at the show now. And I've been a bit run down. I've had the flu. And I'm recovering, but people have been so nurturing and so lovely this weekend. They've all been checking, are you okay? Have you got enough energy? Is there anything I can do to help? And I don't think I've ever been anywhere else where there's that level of support and genuine care for one another. And it's amazing. 72 people in here. And from the bottom of my heart, I believe that every single one of them sing off the same hymn sheet. There are no conflicts. There's no backbiking. Um, people win and people lose and everybody is acceptant of that um, and I think it's because we I have to use the word nurture I think we've nurtured people into that way of thinking and of course Debbie it isn't for everybody there are people who want to fly solo there are people who can't see what we're doing and they resent it and one of the things that we must remember for example we use Frank Sinatra's wonderful thing. If you want to upset somebody, become successful. <laughs> and I'm afraid that you're a psychologist. You understand the statement. You understand why that is. And there are people who, for quite a number of years, were quite, you know, derogatory of what we were doing, and and they were quite vindictive. And of course, Ian being Ian, I've still got all of the screenshots of the things that were put out on social media. I particularly remember one night somebody calling Liz and I backstabbers. Um, but there's that's. So, the reason that people are successful is because, one, they use high moral and ethical value. Uh, you cannot survive long-term in any form of business unless you present yourself as being right, proper, and have integrity. You can be a failure in what you do, but if people see you have an integrity and people see that you care, and people see that you are genuine, then you will find that they'll excuse you for your faults. Absolutely, and I think that's right. And I think coming from that place of integrity, working ethically, being genuinely caring about what you do makes a huge difference, and people want you to do well. And like you say, you always get those few individuals that maybe say unkind things or there's a bit of jealousy and resentment. And I know I've had that and you've been brilliant for me in the last few years that as I've got bigger, there has been the odd person that's been unkind or a bit strange and you've just given me that reassurance of it's okay. And I find that's been essential for my growth. I totally agree with you, Debbie. And for any of you who listen to this, you could always look at Debbie's route of success, never ending improvement, looking for better ways discarding things that don't quite work and keeping with the things that do. And if you find yourself in life going round in circles and hammering away at something that's not working, 
you have to have the balls and you really do have to have the balls to say it hasn't worked you have to turn around and say let it go let's try a different track let's go a different way look you can research this it isn't something that's come out of the top of my mind richard branson has had as many failures or more failures as he's had successes virgin makeup virgin coke virgin water virgin cosmetics and time and time again that man has failed but he's you never hear him discuss it or say oh that was my failure he just carries on and just carries on and carries on and carries on and, and keeps hammering away with success so the point is this if you want to succeed in anything and, and debbie i categorically mean anything holistic healing selling crystals being a tarot reader becoming an industrialist becoming an engineer owning cafes so this and i do only a char hire company anything of that nature you have to show integrity and you have to show principle so it, it is a case of integrity and integrity is hard in fact if you find integrity integrity hard i truly say why don't you book a session with debbie or somebody like debbie and say look i'm in a problem with integrity can you give me ideas on how to work with it because there's pointers to it isn't there you see, I think that when you succeed, there's a resonance within your body. I, from the bottom of my heart, I believe when you do things right, I think the chemicals in your brain make you happy, and what make you happy makes you physically great. And it also gives you clarity of thought. Now, there's a great, not a trick, it's something that I'll tell you here. Throughout of my last 20 years, when I do something, when I embark upon something, the first thing I do, I think about something that I love. So, as you know, I love my motorcycle. So I sit and think for a moment about my motorcycles, and I think about grandchildren, and I think about Liz, and I think about our successes. And I, I, I resonate, and I think, show me the feeling, show me the feeling, show me the feeling. And then I think about something I'm not too keen on. I don't like war. I don't like violence. I don't like people who argue. And I don't, I don't like them. I, I think they're wasting their time. All of it is wasted energy. And I just gently say, just give me a little bit of a resonance of how this dislike feeling is. After a few months, you start saying, is this a good feeling? Is this a good thing? And you know, I have used that on a very regular basis for many, many years. I think, is this right for me? And I automatically get the right resonance. Which I completely agree with you with that. I know for me, when I get those sort of divine sparks I like to call them it just feels right in my whole body that this is the way to go right now and it makes me feel happy and passionate and I want to do it whereas when I'm in those situations where I'm doing it perhaps because I think oh I've got to earn a bit of money or I've got to do this because I feel obligated to it doesn't feel very nice in my body so I use that more and more now as my internal navigation to steer me on the right path as to where I'm meant to be going and what I'm meant to do. You see the foundation stone of, of any success is money. And there will be many of you who disagree, but it's the foundation of happiness in a relationship. It's the foundation of happiness with children, success. It's the happiness of owning your own home. It's the happiness of not earning, having any debt. It's the happiness of freedom. To, to, to be financially secure is the foundation stone of your life. And after that, you can think clearly. Because you're not worried about your bills, you're not worried about your debts. After that, after you're intellectually clear, you can then concentrate on your emotions. Because you have no 
financial difficulties, no earthly difficulties. You have no intellectual difficulties because you're thinking clearly and precisely. You're not fogging your brain with unnecessary worries. How can I do this? How can I get out of this debt? I've got to work an extra 3,000 hours. So you become emotionally unbalanced. Once you get your material aspect balanced, your intellectual aspect balanced, then you can work on your emotion. When you work on your emotions, you can be, it can be simplistic. You can just turn and say, I'm not prepared to be involved with people who are negative. I'm not prepared to be involved with people who are vindictive. I'm not prepared to people who impinge upon my personal deep and moral happiness. And once you've got those three spinning, then magic happens because you can start the search of being a spiritual being. And to be spiritual, nobody has any answers because the spiritual is to search. It's the seeking of, it's the looking for. It's the finding of, the exploration. It's the Edmund Hillary. It's the Scott to the Antarctic. It's Neil Star, um, Armstrong to the moon. That's the searching. There's no reason for it. It's just you do it. And I can completely relate to that. I think it, I've had an interesting life experience over the past eight months or so. Um, as you know, Pete got made redundant suddenly. And it's an absolute blessing in many ways because it's where he's meant to be. And he's evolving and growing as a better person. Now he can do what he's passionate about. But those first few months were a little bit scary for me because all of a sudden I was having to earn two incomes to support us both. And it meant that I had to really focus in a different way on earning money. And that's not my main following. I do it because I'm passionate about things. But I didn't like that. Um, it took me away from that more spiritual aspect because I was worrying about the 3D stuff. And as much as I was trying to tell myself, I know the universe looks after me, I know everything's all right, it really hampered my growth. And I really missed that sort of spiritual exploration and that love. So I've had to go on a journey to sort of reconnect and rekindle that. Yeah, I, th I think there are many, you read a thousand books. I, 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 I've got so many books about spiritual aspects and minds and it just goes on. But there, are, there is so much of it is repetitive. Um, this thing about uh, failure is an experience, um, setbacks is an experience. Don't worry about setbacks. Well, I'm afraid if you look at the majority of people, you've got millions of people killing each other all day long over something that happened centuries ago. You know, setbacks that they can't forgive, forget, and get move on with. So I think the thing is, if you have something. I mean, and I know I really felt for you that situation because you just bought your beautiful new house and everything. I mean, it really wasn't stacking up very well for a moment or two, was it? But you grasped the nettle. You took on board the pain. You took on board the worries. You continued to look after your children as if nothing was happening. You carried on hammering away at the, at the door, getting people to come and see you, doing your hypnosis courses, now you're going corporate. Absolutely fantastic. And actually, that disaster wasn't something that was a lesson. It was a motivator. It was the fuel in the rocket. It was the, it was the electricity that drove the fan. It was the thing that said, come on, Debbie, this is what I've got. I've got all these, I've got all these skill sets. I've got all this knowledge. I am an absolutely brilliant teacher. I've taught children i'm damn sure i can teach adults who are more stupid than children and you grasped it and you i i watch you very carefully because i have nothing but admiration for what you do but your number one skill set is your ability to communicate and to teach and it doesn't matter what you are communicating or what you are teaching 
that's the winner and that's your skill set. And I think people miss that. I think people should take a day, a week, a month, a year to say, what's my skill set? What am I good at? And relish it. You know, if you want to be a painter, it's not going to be easy. But you can't be a Van Gogh and go and sit in a room and chop your ear off. You can't. Those days are over. So if you want to be a painter, you're going to have to find something. You're going to have to find something that subsidizes your love. You're going to have to find a part-time job, drive a truck, drive a van, do everything that people don't like. Let me tell you a story. We had some Slovakian people who came to live next door to us, Jerry and Kat, and they were weird. They were, they were, you know, they were Slovakians. I didn't, you know, the, the, the whole world was different. Jerry came to this country and Kat came to this country with nothing, a clapped out scone. And they moved into the rented house next to us. And I said to Liz, I don't know how they can afford the rent on these properties because it's, you know, it's university land and it's expensive rent. And, um, you know, fortunately we own our house um, because I couldn't afford to rent it. And so I watched them and Jerry just, just disappeared. I said, I've got a job driving a truck. And then Kat, I went into Aldi's and there she is behind the till. They came to this country with nothing bar a few pounds and a Skoda car and some money they borrowed for the first month's rent on Mr. Cannon's property. Five years later, they'd worked every hour that God sent. They had a brand new left-hand drive for Sant and they had bought a property in Slovakia that they moved to. That's amazing. And because they were dedicated to work their garden even though it was rented was majestic they looked after everything they were the kindest and most generous people you could ever wish to meet and they got something that we've just been talking about total integrity when they left uh, i got jerry some wine uh, and a bottle of champagne i said when you when you go that's um that's for us for, from us for you when you get home I said, can I ask where you're going? He said, not everybody's like you. People resent us being here. They think we're taking their jobs. And he said, what you need to know is what you probably do know. The majority of you people are lazy. And you can't get anything in life, Debbie. Nothing in life unless you like yourself. You have to have integrity. You have to work. You have to cry. You have to be upset. You have to deprive yourself and sacrifice yourself of a holiday at Butlins rather than going to Costa de Sol. You have to educate your children to understand that you can't afford a third of your wages for a pair of trainers that are going to break apart in six months' time. You have to explain to your kids and the people around you that you can't afford to do something because you have an objective. And if you've got an objective, as Viktor Frankl says, man's search for meaning, a man will cover any difference as he has an objective every single time. And people are losing objective because everybody wants something today. They want to pick up their phone, find an answer. They want to hope against hope that somebody will make them a star. They want to hope that somebody's going to make them a manager. It's not going to happen unless you dedicate yourself to your life getting yourself financially sound. If you're in financial trouble, I don't mind who you are, where you are in the world. 
if you buy um, The Richest Man in Babylon and read that book and embellish that book in your heart, you will never, ever, ever be poor. That's really interesting. I'm going to have to have a read of that book. And I think what you're saying is absolutely right. The amount of hard work that's come through my life, what I put into it um, to get to where I am. And Pete and I were just having this interesting conversation last night because um, he's got a corporate event next week. He's been invited into a hairdressing salon to do a wellbeing event for the staff. And I've been helping him basically with his confidence and his delivery. And he said, but how do you just do it? He says, I've watched you over the years where you'll learn a technique or something and then you'll just go and present it or you'll talk about it. And I said, yes, Pete, but the thing is, you're not in my mind. So I might not physically be moving around or talking out loud, but I will have rehearsed that a hundred times, 200 times, a thousand times in my mind to perfect it over and over again to use that energy so that I can do that. And it's nonstop, but it's those objectives that really drive me. I decide what do I want to go for, and then I find a way to achieve it. And the other thing, this is a good pointer that I would say to somebody who is going to find success, you don't need to know everything, and you don't have to be perfect. You just don't. If I hear somebody say, oh, perfection's my game, I'll just look at them and say, well, you, you can't know it's perfect. Nobody can have perfection. Everybody's got faults. There'll always be a flaw. And I will say to them, do you get upset if somebody criticises you? Oh, no. Well, you know, they do. Because they do. I mean, I don't. I, you categorically must know that I people can criticise me all day long. I don't care. People can um, find fault in me all day long. They're absolutely right. I am completely with more flaws than a skyscraper. I'm just fault, you know, and I get things wrong, thinking correctly, I'd make the wrong choices, I'd do the things wrong, but I don't focus on them. But there are a few things that I do exceptionally well. And because I know that I do those things exceptionally well, then I succeed in those things, but I keep it simple. You know, I watch people, you watch it, I know you smile at it, you know, this thing with AI writing at the moment. There's books, people flying books out left, right and centre all over the place. Oh, I've just written a book and I read it and you, and you read it because you're a teacher. You think, AI, and it just is. There's no soul in it. They're, they're technically okay, but they don't even bother to reread what the AI's done for them because half of them can't understand what's been written. Uh, you know, when Ernest Hemingway was asked, what's the secret of writing? He said, the secret of writing is rewriting and rewriting, rewriting and rewriting. And and like some mark, you say, I can't rewrite this anymore. I've had tremendous success with my books, and I don't go around shouting about it or whatever. I mean, there was a stage when one book, uh, which is now um, very tired and really does need working, but I'm 66 and I can't be bothered, uh, never let anything worry worry you. That was making me every single day between 65 and 75 pounds a day, seven days a week on Amazon. Which is absolutely amazing as a passive income. If you add that up over 20, a year 000, to your... 20,000 20, a year. That's amazing. How lovely. Oh, oh, I really find you very inspiring. Well, the thing is, people don't chunk it down. You see, I, when I look at something, I don't look at... Um, I don't look at a fixed price. I just think, well, how much is it going to cost me? So, so say I, I'm writing a little book at the moment I've always wanted to write. And it was, I wrote an early one. It was about photography. How to use a thirty? How to use a thirty-five millimeter film camera? And I wrote it initially, and it was bonkers because it didn't have any pictures in, but it made me a lot of money. 
And I pulled it off because I, I, I thought, I, I need to do more of this. And I'm just finishing off the second copy. Right. So my, in my mind, I want to um, make pound fifty on it. Now, Amazon, um, KDP, you've got to really pitch the book at about £4.50. As you know, they're, they're quite greedy um, for me to get one fifty. So that's okay, four fifty. People afford £4.50. So what I'm doing is I'm going to give a really healthy book connected to a few YouTube videos, about 20 YouTube videos. They're only about 10 minutes each, easily able to make. And I'm going to pitch it to make £1.50. And I'm, I'm hoping that within two years I can get out to sell around about 100 copies a week. That's absolutely amazing. And having that vision, but also breaking it down, knowing what you've got to achieve and how you're going to do it makes all the difference. Because I think there's a lot of us out there that have these aspirations, but we never see them through. Yeah, well, if you chunk that down, so if I'm, a, if I'm selling 100 copies a week, which is easily achievable, that's uh, £150 a week, 7500 a year. Imagine if you replicate that to three books, you're under nearly 22500 a year. Which is amazing, isn't it? And that then frees you up to spend your time doing other things that you enjoy. Well, it, well, it is. And, and I think, you know, I, I'm very conscious. I, I, I'm very, I know you podcast journalists for an hour, but I think short podcasts are probably better in, in this instance because I, I, I'll, I'll just go on ramble and ramble and ramble. I'll leave your listener with um, a thought. If you look at a man who's absolutely idolised, a man I've I loved from 1970 onwards. I'm 66 now, so I can gauge thing. 1970 onwards. David Bowie. If you look at David Bowie, idolised, absolutely idolised by millions, um, had more fans when he became, when he died than he ever had when he was alive. But if you think about the logistics of what he did, in this world, there are approximately, is it, 7.6 billion people, 7.6 billion. Over the whole of his career, whole of his career, 1972, when he died nearly 10 years ago, so that's 19, what are we, um, say to 2015, I think it was, wasn't it? So we're talking 45 years. Over 45 years, need to research this, think about this carefully. He sold about 500 million records. 500 million records over 40 years actually is about 40 million a year, isn't it? Average, average 40 million a year. If you're talking about 7.2 billion people, the percentage of people who actually bought his record is nothing. That's a really interesting way to look at it, isn't it? And I remember you saying once at one of the shows, you don't need everybody to get you or like you and love you. You just perhaps need 1%. And as long as you those 1% get you and they're a committed sort of market, then you're away. Yeah, and you bust your brain worrying about those who don't care. And that's, that's the point. So let's get back very quickly to the David Bowie situation. So when you look at it, you then need to look at his catalogue of songs. Now, he was a very fast songwriter. I mean, very fast. In Mick Ronson's book, he says that he wrote um, a song in an hour and a half in a bus. Um, I've forgotten which one it was. I think... Uh, I think it was like this. Anyway, he, he took him an hour and a half to write a song. And um, look at the catalogue of songs he wrote. Uh, I think you'll find it's about 185. That's interesting. So say he took a day to write each song average. That's 185 days. He didn't even invest half a year of his life to become a multimillionaire and idolised by millions of people. 
Wow, that's fascinating. I love that. So, but he specialised, didn't he? He did. Henny, is there anything else you'd like to ask me? Well, I think that's been really, really fascinating. I know it's given me lots of different things to think about. So just before we go, are there any final words or final thoughts that you would like to leave the listener with? You are the most important person in your life. You are the fulcrum of your life. When you enter your final sleep and die, when your spiritual being, I truly believe we're spiritual beings in a, in a, in a physical body. Your physical, your spiritual being becomes energy. Everything that you have is energy. Is energy. Money is energy, an exchange of energy. Money is an exchange of energy. Love is energy. Hate is energy. Emotional balance is energy. Thoughts are energy. Everything's energy. And you are the most important person in your life. When you close your eyes, everything you knew, everything that existed, ceases to exist. It's gone. You're just energy. That energy doesn't think. It's not a memory. It's just energy. It's just a form of energy. And if you're blessed with the fact that your energy is strong, good, and kind, then maybe one day in time, your energy connects to somebody else and it blesses them with your thoughts and ideas and possibilities and, and makes your world better for somebody else. Your world, your existence. The key to all of life is to be able to know as you close your eyes before you enter your final sleep, and that's all it is, it's just going to sleep for a final time. There's nothing more or less, that's what it is. It's a blessing if you're in pain. It's a wondrous thing if you worked hard all your life and you need just to rest. But if you leave a legacy of kindness, you don't have to love everybody. You can be a tough old tyrant, but if people appreciate you, they see that you're honesty and they see your integrity, and they see that you've tried your very, very best, then you've lived a fantastic life and you leave a memory in other people's lives that will make you live forever. That's reincarnated. I love that. That's amazing. Thank you. You've given me lots to think about today. So thank you ever so much for doing this with me at the show. Um, we're about to open the doors soon, so I'm sure we'll have a lovely busy day. And thank you to our audience for listening and I shall speak to you again soon. Take care and bye-bye for now. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure you subscribe. If you would like to find out more about the therapies that we provide and the training we offer, please visit our website www.tranquil-awakenings.co.uk. You can also find us on social media.